What happens to a grapevine when it doesn't have a trellis on which to grow? Well, I've never actually seen what happens, but here's what I imagine.、Uh, I imagine that the vine just sort of lays on the ground, and while it may grow some grapes, the grapes that grow end up getting eaten by worms or bugs or getting stepped on. But when the vine does have a trellis on which to grow, the grapevine is able to bear much fruit. Well, in the same way, we need a trellis for our lives if we are going to bear much fruit, as Jesus says in John fifteen. We need an intentional framework for our lives that can help us grow in our faith. In the book "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality," Pete Scazzaro explains that this framework is called a rule of life. And so, in this episode, I talk about first of all why you need a rule of life, and second, how to develop a rule of life. Now, this episode is a sermon that I recently preached, and it's the last sermon in a series based on the book "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality," which, let me just say, is a fantastic book. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Well, I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode twenty-seven of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Now, what I want to talk about today is is how, right? It's very practical today.、Um, how do we become? How do we structure our lives in a way that helps us move from spiritual and emotional immaturity towards spiritual and emotional maturity, becoming more and more like Jesus? And so, we're going to talk about something called a rule of life. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about Spider Man. Because I love Spider Man. Now every little boy loves Spider Man, and I'm still a little boy in that sense.、Um, I used to lay awake at night thinking, how can I, how can I invent、uh, web fluid so I can shoot webs, and how can I figure out how to crawl on walls? And I wanted to be Spider Man.、Uh, and you know, there's been all kinds of Spider Man movies now. My favorite is that first one that came out in 2002 with Tobey Maguire, and、um, and I love the scene where he starts to. To discover his powers, right now, what you have to know about Spider-Man, right? Whose real name is Peter Parker. Peter Parker、uh, is a complete nerd, right? He's a geek. He's he's weak. He's the kid that gets picked on at school.、Um, Flash Thompson, right, is the bully. Peter Parker is his victim, and so nobody really likes Peter Parker. He's scrawny. He's skinny. He's got nothing、uh, that impresses anyone. And then one day he gets bit by this radioactive spider. And he comes home, and he's feeling terrible and sick. And he goes in his room and just kind of collapses on the floor. And then the next morning, he wakes up, and this is what happens. Now, how many of you have ever woken up in the morning and you found that all of your fat has turned into lean muscle? Anybody? <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, you've got biceps, you've got abs, right?、Um, and、uh, nobody? No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, um, I think one of the reasons we love this story, or at least the reason I do, like I wish that would happen to me. You know, <laughs> I, we've lived vicariously through Peter Parker, who has this amazing experience of 
instant transformation, right? But the reality is that doesn't happen in life, right? If you want to have a body like Spider-Man has, it takes work. It takes intentionality, right? You have to change your diet. You have to change your exercise habits. You better start working out, right? Um, And the reality is that for Tobey Maguire, the actor, he didn't wake up that way one day. He had to work really hard to get into that kind of shape, right? So we know that when it comes to our physical bodies, it takes intentionality, right? We have to make a decision. We're going to change, I'm going to change my lifestyle in this way and structure my life in this way in order to get into whatever shape I set as my goal. Um, it's true when it comes to our uh, intellectual life, for instance, as well, right? If, we're, if we want to become an expert at something or really uh, uh, kind of be the go-to person on something, right? We have to study, Maybe we go to school for it. You know, maybe we, uh, uh, you know, we major in it. We, uh, we read books, right? We, we have to be intentional about learning whatever it is we want to learn. When it comes to, let's say, career life, right? If you want to achieve a certain work position at some point, a career at some point, well, you've got to figure out how to get there. You've got to take the classes again, maybe go to school, major in a particular subject, maybe get a master's degree, uh, get this particular entry-level position so that you can get this position and exec- eventually get to that position. It takes intentionality. You can't just, you don't just, it's very rare, let's say, that you all of a sudden somehow miraculously end up in your dream job, right? So it takes intentionality when it comes to our physical life, it takes intentionality when it comes to our intellectual life, our, our mind life. It takes intentionality when it comes to our work life. Um, and you could probably think of almost any other uh, aspect of life and, and see the same thing. But here's the thing. When it comes to our spiritual life, uh, we have this tendency, I think, to get real passive about it. We think, oh, if I just sort of go to church every now and then or, or maybe even every Sunday, you know... Um, well, eventually one day I'll find that I have grown spiritually, that I am now a mature Christian, that I am now uh, a lot like Jesus, right? That I have changed and been transformed, right? Yes, going to church helps, right? But the reality is it takes real intentionality to really grow in our faith. One of the things that I think happens is we start to live off of other people's uh, spirituality. You know, so maybe you really like the pastor, right? I'm not not talking about me. (laughs) I'm not talking about me necessarily, right? But, oh boy, I really like the pastor and and I feel close to God when I'm listening to his or her sermons, right? Or really like the music in our church and and the person, you know, who's doing it and I feel really close to God. Or maybe there's someone in the congregation and that I really look up to and, boy, I really admire their relationship with God and I feel close to God when I'm with them. Well, what happens when that person is God? Right? What happens to your relationship with God? Right? We don't want to be the kind of people who, whose spirituality depends on someone else's spirituality. We are called to have our own relationship with God, to grow uh, ourselves. Uh, the question is, how do we do that? Um, I read a... Uh, well, actually, what I want to do, I want to read to you a passage. It's not the primary passage we're looking at today, um, so it won't be on the screen. But Jesus talks about intentionality in John 15. He talks about bearing fruit, right? A a life that is connected to God, a life that has grown close to God, is a life that bears fruit. Now, what does that mean? When I think of bearing fruit, I think about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit, a life... Uh, that is like Jesus, is a life that exhibits these qualities. 
And so Jesus talks about what's required in order to bear much fruit in our lives. This is what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God, God wants us to be fruitful. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. There's the intentionality piece. Remain in me. Some translations say, abide in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Right? You can't bear fruit if you're not remaining, abiding in Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Right? How do you show yourself to be Jesus' disciple? By bearing much fruit. How do you bear much fruit? By remaining in Jesus, by intentionally staying connected to Jesus. Uh, I read a book a few years ago called Falling Upward uh, by a guy named Richard Rohr, and he talks briefly about an encounter he had with Bishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa. This is what Desmond Tutu said to him. He said, We are only the light bulbs, Richard, and our job is just to remain screwed in. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, stay connected to the power source, right? We're called to be a light in the world, right? That's another metaphor for bearing fruit, right? We've, we, we shine light. We bear fruit. How do we shine light? By staying connected to the power source. Um, now, even that takes intentionality. It's not passive, right? Because is it possible to just throw a light bulb into the room and hope it <laughs> get screwed into the socket? No, right? You've got to get a stepladder or a chair and climb up and then do 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 right? It takes intentionality, right? Growing in our faith requires intentionality. Now, how do we do that? How can we structure our lives in such a way that we intentionally grow in our faith? So I want to talk about something called a rule of life. Um, And this word rule, uh, you know, in some ways has kind of a negative connotation. Rules can sound constraining or constricting, right, limiting. This is a different kind of a rule. Uh, I'm going to get ready to show a picture here, Marianne, so get ready for that. Um, <laughs> right? there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of rule that is life-giving, right, that is um, uh, uh, freeing in a way. And the kind of rule that I'm talking about is this one right here. That's the kind of rule I'm talking about. Now, what is this? What's the, what's the structure called? Trellis. It's a trellis, exactly. So the word rule in the, in the expression rule of life comes from actually the Greek word for trellis. What's a trellis? A trellis is a structure that a vine can use to grow, right? Rest on and do what? Bear much fruit, right? So that eventually it looks more like this, right? Yeah, right? A rule of life is a framework for our lives so that our lives can grow 
And we can rest on that framework and bear fruit and then grow even more and rest on that framework and bear more fruit, right? It's a framework for fruitfulness in our lives, for growing in our faith. Uh, a, a, A rule of life. The key to a rule of life however, is intentionality, right? You don't just sort of wake up one day and, oh, I've got a framework for my life, yeah? <laughs> You have to make some decisions. You have to choose some things. I'm going to do this, not do this, do this. So I want to talk about, for a few minutes, about a guy in the Bible who had a framework for his life that helped him through some really difficult times. I'm talking about a guy named Daniel. So if you are familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, that's who we're talking about. We're not going to talk about the lion's den part. We're going to talk about everything leading up to the lion's den. So let me give you a little bit of context. Daniel uh, lived about 550 years before Jesus. He was part of the Babylonian exile. So 586 BC, Jerusalem was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. A huge portion of the population was uh, taken into uh, taken captive and carried off into exile, resettled in Babylon. And they were told, whatever you did at home, we want you to do that now. They weren't in prison. They lived in houses or apartments or whatever. They said, if you're a blacksmith, keep blacksmithing and do it for the empire. Right? If you're a leather worker, keep working leather and do it for the empire. If you're a farmer, keep farming and do it for the empire. If you have leadership abilities, we want to use your leadership abilities to benefit the empire. So you read about how Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were trained. You can read that in the beginning of the book of Daniel. Trained for leadership. Um, so, and, and they were given these positions of authority in the Babylonian government. Now, partway through the exile, the Babylonian empire was conquered by the Persians. And so it became the Persian empire. And so Nebuchadnezzar was replaced by a guy named Darius, King Darius. And so Darius, at the beginning of the Persian empire kind of did this big, massive government restructure. And so I'm going to read to you now from Daniel chapter 6, and the first few verses uh, describe this restructure uh, that King Darius implemented. So Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. What's a satrap? I don't know. I don't think they could figure out what word to use, so they just use the word satrap, which is Hebrew. just means a a ruler, a governor, a a mayor, maybe, something like that. Um, With three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So 120 satraps, three administrators overseeing the satraps, and then at at the top, of course, would be King Darius. So kind of a pyramidal government structure. The satraps were made accountable to them, to the administrators, so that the king might not suffer, suffer loss. The administrator's job was to protect the king's interests. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators uh, and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel was one of those three administrators and the king said, wow, he's really good. I'm going to put him in charge of Everyone. So there's the king, there's Daniel, maybe there's two more or two or three administrators below him, and then all the satraps. Okay. How do you think everybody felt about that? They were jealous. Yeah. (laughs) Not happy. Right? At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government and affairs, but they were unable to do so. What what did they try to do? They tried to dig up dirt on Daniel, right? It's on all the time. Goes on all the time. <laughs> all the, we will see a lot of that over the next couple of years. Um, we see it all the time, even when it's not an election. All right. Um, 
they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So we're going to try to use his religion against him. So these administrators and satraps went, to, went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human, uh, or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius said, that's a great idea. I like it. (laughs) And he put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And here's his rule of life. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Right? He did it before, and he's still doing it now. Uh, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. And that, of course, then leads to the story of the lion's den. But you see what Daniel does, right? He's got a rule of life. He's got a framework, a structure for his life that keeps him connected to God. His framework included praying in front of his window, facing Jerusalem three times a day, probably to remind him of his heritage and the fact that that was his home and he was a stranger in this land and maybe not get too cocky in this position of authority that he's been given, right? Three times a day, he went to God and he prayed and everybody knew it. That was his framework. Now, um, I think that framework was really important for the position he'd been given, right? A huge complexity running an empire. But then also in face of adversity, what does he do? When he finds out that they've taken these steps to get him in trouble, what does he do? Does he run away? No. He goes right back to his framework, right? Intentionality. Um, Does he... Does he try to defend himself? No, no, no. no uh, you know, I, it's okay. I'm, I'm not a bad guy. Or does he try to prove himself? Look, I'm actually really good at this and, and I shouldn't get in trouble. No, right? He just goes back to his framework. Um, does he fight back, right? Does he, does he try to get them in trouble in some way? No, he just goes back to his framework. Um, does he give up? Does he resign? Nope. Just goes back to his framework. Does he... Uh, does he give up on God and say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? You know, I've been so faithful to you. Why would you do this? No, he just goes back to his framework, right? It's that framework, that rule of life that he had that allowed him, that helped him to be faithful to God, even in the face of really difficult circumstances. I was talking to someone once and they said, you know, I've always wondered, uh, maybe Daniel had some kind of a miraculous encounter with God and God, you know, really spoke something directly to him that gave him the, the strength to, you know, resist, you know, this decree and stay faithful to God and face the lion's den. I was like, well, maybe, but... It doesn't say that. (laughs) It doesn't say that Daniel ever had some kind of miraculous encounter that gave him that strength. All it tells us is that he prayed three times a day. That's what gave him the strength to face this adversity. So, how do we develop a rule of life? 
Um, I want to get real practical here, all right, and give you some ideas to consider. Um, if you look on the back of the um, uh, Bible study questions, there are some fill-in-the-blanks. And so I want to give you these, um, I'll just kind of work through this with all of you. Um, there are basically four categories in a Benedictine rule of life. So this is a particular kind of rule of life that you could use. Uh, it's called the Rule of St. Benedict. And there are four categories. There's prayer. So I'm going to give these to you. You can write them in. There's prayer, rest, relationships, and then work slash activity. And if you look down at the bottom, you can cheat because they're written out down there. Uh, (laughs) Prayer, rest, relationships, and then work slash activity. Uh, so kind of think of your life in, in terms of those four categories, and then there are practices you can implement in each of these categories. Um, and I'm just going to give you some idea. So in the category of prayer, uh, scripture is one. That would be the first fill in the blank under prayer, right? Scripture. Um, maybe as part of your prayer life, what you do is you commit to reading one chapter of the Bible every day. Do you know how long it would take to read through the entire Bible if you read one chapter a day? About three years. Do you know how long it takes to read one chapter of the Bible? About five minutes. <laughs> Maybe ten if it's a longer chapter. Some of those psalms are really short. It takes about 30 seconds. All right? In about three years, you will have read the entire Bible. If you read two chapters a day, you'll do it in a year and a half. Right? So um, that's a possibility. Uh, Another possibility when it comes to scripture is uh, praying the psalms. So maybe you just pick a psalm and you use that as a prayer. The psalms are, after all, the prayer book of the Bible. right? They are all prayers. And some of them may resonate with you more than others. If it doesn't, you can just say, Lord, whoever might need this prayer, I pray for them right now. You can pray through the psalms. Maybe do it once a day. Maybe do it three times a week, whatever you want to commit to. Um, You could read the scriptures in a Lectio Divina sort of way. This is a very slow kind of reading. It's something that I started doing a few years ago. So I, what, I, what I do usually is I'll, I'll read like only three or four or five verses and I'll go through them real slowly. So I'll read through those few verses once all the way through and then I'll go back and then I'll just go through a word at a time or a phrase at a time or a sentence at a time. And I'll just sit with it. Okay, what is this? God, what do you want to say through this word? Boy, I, I don't get what this phrase means. This doesn't sound like something I'm comfortable with. Or, man, I really love this. You know? And it, just, it's, it allows the scriptures to read me <laughs> as much as I read the scriptures. And then for the course of about 30 minutes, I get through those verses. And then I'll just read through them again and say a prayer. So that's another way of doing it. And then I want to give you this one as well. Pray as you go. This is fantastic. Um, it is a, an online devotional. And I do, uh, do this several times a week. Uh, my rule of life includes doing either Lectio Divina or Pray as You Go on a day every day one of those two and it's 10 or 15 minutes and you can listen to it Uh, there's an app for your phone you just hit play on the app you can download it you can do it on a computer but it's called pray as you go so i i invite you to check that out so scripture right engaging in scripture can be part of your prayer uh, commitment Uh, silence and solitude that's the next one and I won't spend as much time on the rest of these. Uh, silence and solitude, right? The no- world is a noisy place. There's a lot of distractions. And so sometimes we need to just get away and have some quiet. Uh, you can do it on, every day, you know, do five or 10 or 15 minutes of silence every day. Or you can do a monthly, you know, two hours, get away for two hours or uh, an annual retreat, you know, go up to Julian or some other place and just have a full day or a full weekend and just be alone and quiet and silent. You can do some reading while you're there, right? It could be part of your framework. 
the daily office is the next one. Uh, that's kind of a weird expression. Uh, it refers to kind of a daily framework. So uh, a lot of times you'll find this in uh, monasteries and convents where they'll start with prayer. You know, they'll, they'll have uh, moments throughout the day where they stop and pause just to reflect or pray or worship as a reminder that God is constantly with them. And so maybe you start, for instance, with uh, praying the Lord's Prayer in the morning, maybe have a moment of silence, a few minutes of silence in the middle of the day, and then maybe pray the Lord's Prayer again in, in the evening. You know, That can be your daily office. You can do anything you want to in the daily office. Right? It's up to you, but it's intentional. Um, and then study is the last one. You know, maybe you commit to um, reading a Christian book every two months. If you live, like reading, you know, do that. Um, you can take a class, right? You can do an online class or a webinar if that's something that you, you enjoy. So, but studying. Uh, you can come to Bible study on Monday, Monday mornings, Monday noons. <laughs> uh, rest is the next category. And then under that, first one would be Sabbath, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Take 24 hours a day and just rest. Right? And delight in the, the life that God has given you, the world that we live in. Um, do some things that you really enjoy doing. Take maybe a few minutes for reflection. But Sabbath. And if 24 hours is too much, then do 12 hours. If that's too much, do six. If that's too much, do three. Right? Whatever, whatever you intend to do to, to build this framework. Uh, next one is simplicity. You know, maybe let go of some commitments. Maybe you're overcommitted and you need to scale back some commitments. Simplicity can also refer to stuff. Right? Maybe you need to get rid of some things. Maybe you give one thing away every week. You know, or maybe you give towards uh, the food pantry or, or towards the church or, or whatever. Um, play and recreation is the next one. Right? Isn't that cool? Play and recreation can be part of your rule of life, your spiritual rule of life to keep you connected to Jesus. Part of my rule of life, and I have to adjust this because I'm not very good at it. Uh, I used to be. Part of my rule of life was to either surf or watch a movie every week. Um, and I, I'm not as good at keeping that up. But that was, for me, a part of my spiritual connection to God because I love doing it and God wants us to delight. So if you like going for a hike, do that. If you, if you love reading a novel, make that part of your rule of life. I'm going to read for an hour every day or whatever it might be. Something that you love, you can do that. Relationships. Uh, the first one there is emotional health, and this refers to healthy relationships. Maybe over the course of this series, you've realized, oh, there's some areas of my life that I need to work on. So maybe you find some books that can help you work on that, or maybe you find a counselor that you can talk to to help you work on that, to develop healthy relationships. Uh, family is the next one. Uh, maybe there's some things you want to do with your family. Uh, maybe you want to find some ways to love your spouse more intentionally. Love, love him or her in their love language. Um, if you don't know, I'm not going to go into that, but look up the five love languages. It's fantastic. Um, one of the things I have committed to is uh, calling my parents every other week. Right? That's part of my rule of life. Right now, I do it every week because every time I drive home from Westmoreland, I pick up the phone and I call them on the way. Well, it's hands-free. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe there are ways that you can spend time with your family that can be part of your rule of life. Um, third one, there is community. And when I talk about community, I'm talking about this here, right? We are in community here as a church. Um, uh, most of you are here every Sunday, so in a sense, it's already part of your rule of life, right? This is already part of your framework, and so you can continue to do that, but maybe there, there are other ways to build community with your Christian brothers and sisters into your life. And then under work and activity, service and mission, 
can be part of your rule of life. Uh, maybe you volunteer uh, to help out at the pantry, the food pantry, once a month, right? And that can be part of your rule of life, or once a week, or whatever you choose to do. Um, or, or other service opportunities around the area. Um, and then the last one is care for the physical body. Did you know that God cares about your physical body? Right? Sometimes we come up with this dualistic view of the world where there's the good spirit and the evil body, or the body is just a shell. Um, but it's both you, like your physical body and your spiritual, your spirit is all you. Just as Jesus was fully human and fully divine, that was all Jesus. His humanity was as much a part of him as his divinity. Um, God cares about your body. You know, maybe you want to make some decisions in terms of how you eat or how you exercise. Maybe go for a walk once a day. 20-minute walk once a day can be part of, your, um, uh, part of your rule of life or getting enough sleep, you know. Anyway, all kinds of possibilities, right? So I just wanted to give you these here as, uh, as ideas, right? Uh, ways that you might engage intentionally um, in, in growing in your faith, building a structure, a framework, a rule of life for your life so that you can stay connected to God. There's lots of flexibility in this. There's lots of experimenting. Some things work in some seasons of our lives and other things work in other seasons of our lives. So you can change things around, but try things out. Um, and don't be legalistic about it, right? Uh, be committed, but don't be legalistic. If you miss something one week, okay, fine. Right? As soon as it becomes a chore, it's not life-giving anymore. This is meant to be life-giving. Um, I came across Mother Teresa's rule of life a few years ago. And I thought I'd share it with you uh, as we close here. <clears throat> this was the rule of life that she and her ministry came up with. They said that the sisters shall spend one day in every week, one week in every month... One month in every year, one year in every six years in the mother house, where in contemplation and penance together with solitude, she can gather in the spiritual strength which she might have used up in the service of the poor. That was their rule of life. Um, One Sabbath day every week, one Sabbath week every month, one Sabbath month every year, one Sabbath year every sixth sixth year, right? Um, Now, that's not going to be your rule of life. That's not going to be my rule of life, but it's the rule of life that they needed for their life, right? The life that God had called them to. You are invited, right, to structure your life intentionally in some way that works for you, that keeps you connected to God, and so here's what I want to invite you to do. Uh, real quick, just take a look at this. Just take a look at this again. Right? And maybe circle one or two of these that you, you feel like, I could implement that in my life. And you know what? Lent is coming up. Uh, a lot of times we say, oh, I'm going to give this or that up for Lent. How about implementing one of these practices during the season of Lent? And that can be sort of your experiment. It's a commitment to God, but also a way of saying, okay, let's see how this works. Let's see what happens in my life, or let's see if this uh, draws me closer to God. So just go through this and pick out one or two you know, that might work for you. And if you come to Bible study tomorrow, uh, we're going to dig in even deeper, and we're going to actually work on our own rule, uh, rules of life tomorrow in Bible study. Um, one last thing I want to share with you. This is from Peter Scazzaro. In the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, The great buried gift in a rule of life is its goal of regulating our entire lives, right? Our entire lives in such a way that we truly prefer the love of Christ above all things. Let me read that again, right? 
The great buried gift in a rule of life is its goal of regulating. It gives us some regulation in our lives. It structures our lives. But it structures our lives in such a way that we truly prefer the love of Christ. We prefer it above all things. Right? For most of us, the natural state is to prefer things like money or nice house, nice cars, nice people around us, you know, nice things. We want this or that. The rule of life shapes us in such a way that the thing that we want more than anything is just the love of Jesus, right? That's what a rule of life leads toward. That's why it's so important. Well, I don't know if you can tell, but Pete Scazzaro's work on emotionally healthy spirituality has been incredibly helpful and influential for me in my life. And the practice of a rule of life has been such a wonderful way for me to stay deeply connected, not only to Jesus, but also to the people in my life and even to my true self. Uh, Now, my rule of life, and I just offer these as examples of the kinds of things you might include in yours or to inspire some ideas for you, uh, my rule of life includes practices like spending time in Scripture in a Lectio Divina sort of way, Uh, listening to Pray As You Go, which is a wonderful online daily scripture meditation. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I think uh, you would really uh, enjoy it if you don't know it yet. Uh, And it includes a daily 15 minutes of silence. Uh, I also practice the Sabbath on a weekly basis. Uh, My rule of life includes seeing at least two movies per month. It would be more if I could, (laughs) but that's what works for me. And why? Because I just love movies, especially if they include lasers, time travel, or superpowers, right? It's it's just a life-giving experience for me, um, and, and it brings delight to my life. Uh, My rule of life includes loving my wife and her love languages, exercising weekly, and even doing this podcast on a weekly basis. So you can see that I've got practices uh, that fit into the four broad categories of scripture, rest, relationships, and work slash activity. Now, because Pete Scazzaro's work has been such a blessing to me, uh, I also want to mention a few other uh, books. Uh, there's an Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Workbook, an eight-week workbook that can, you can do with a, a small group. Uh, and I've been through that, and it's fantastic. Um, th- there's also a few other books or a couple other books that I want to mention. One is The Emotionally Healthy Church, and the other is The Emotionally Healthy Leader, uh, both of which I've read and both of which are fantastic. And I'll include links to all of these in the show notes. Now, full disclosure, I'm not getting paid by Pete Scazzaro or by The Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality Organization or anything like that. Um, if you do go through any of the links uh, for in the show notes, uh, they are Amazon affiliate links. And so I'll get, I don't know, 30 cents or 40 cents or 50 cents per, <laughs> per uh, book ordered. So far, since I started this podcast last September, I've earned about $12 through my affiliate links. <laughs> so thank you if you've ordered a book through there. Um, anyway, if you'd like to connect uh, with me, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at marcus at marcuswatson.com. And you're also welcome to follow me on Twitter at at Marcus Watson. Again, don't forget that Marcus is spelled with a K, Marcus with a K. Well, my prayer for you is that you would develop an intentional framework for your life, a rule of life to keep you deeply connected to Jesus, the vine. Remember, he is the vine and we are the branches. And we need to intentionally stay connected to him, to abide in him, to remain in him. And as you do, may you always know God's deep, 
deep love for you. Well, thanks again for being with me, and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership.